Thank you, ladies. Great song. Really appreciate that. Amen. <clears throat> Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 10. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 10. A blessing to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Glad to see you here. Glad to be here. And we're dealing with uh, um, the subject of Calvinism, the tulip. You remember we started some weeks ago. Well, we're looking into the Latter Times Ministries, and uh, started that in July, and, and uh, here in 1 Timothy chapter number 4, came down to verse number 10, and we came to this verse, for therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. And we looked at that verse, and we said, okay, well, this kind of touches on the subject of uh, those who believe are the ones who are saved and that they have this relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in a special way, even though he's the Savior for all men, but especially for those that have taken advantage of it and have trusted in him. And so we started looking at that. So let's, uh, let's stop right here, ask the Lord's blessings as we get into the lesson here tonight. Lord, thank you so much for this, your word. I pray that you'd help us to see some things that would be a blessing. And uh, Lord, I uh, pray that you would uh, encourage us, get us to focus on the right kind of things that we should tonight, and, uh, and praise you for uh, your interaction with us in the presentation of the gospel, and that we might be saved because of that. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for um, all day today. It's just been a blessing to be in your house, and uh, Lord, I pray that you just uh, uh, continue to be that blessing, help us to gain something by the study of your word, Lord, we, you said that your word does not come back void. It goes out and it accomplishes whatever it is that you want it to accomplish. And so, Lord, I pray that you do that tonight with your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Before we get into the message, I'd like to say that there's been all kinds of blessings just lately. Individuals uh, experiencing the blessings of God and God coming through in prayer, answering prayer. Uh, there's some heavy, heavy requests that I know some of you have had. I see Brother Doug Massey here. His uh, wife just last week went through the, uh, the bypass and the work on the aorta and all. I saw her yesterday before you got back, and uh, so is she now in Alderwood? Yeah, she's in Manor Sheriff on the west side of the Alderwood Mall. Okay, amen. Well, uh, that's an answer to prayer, and we need to thank the Lord for that. Some of you have... Uh, been praying for jobs and have jobs. Some of you have, you know, there's, there's some spiritual benefits that many of you have been going and growing, and it's just, it's just a blessing. It's a blessing to see that. And as a church, as a whole, there's been so many things that we could, I mean, we really could stop and, and uh, take testimonies tonight. We haven't done that in a long time, but we could take testimonies, and that probably could go on and on for the goodness of God and what he's done for us. Um, I'm looking at the uh, uh, frame in the back. Uh, the tree with the fruit of the leaves of, of uh, portions of scripture that are memorized. And uh, uh, we need to stay on to that. I mean, we're going to try to the end of the year and get the entire uh, portion that we have uh, determined to get through for the year, a verse a week, and uh, get the uh, verses of Psalm 119. That's been a tremendous blessing to me personally. And then <clears throat> the last part of this is going to Psalm 19, not 119, but Psalm 19, and it also has to do with the Word of God. And so all, all year long, just uh, memorizing those verses, it's been, there's been great blessings. And we could, we could do that. We can thank the Lord for that. <clears throat> this this uh, 
uh, mini-series, I guess you say, a series in the series about uh, Calvinism. Uh, it's, it's, really, it's really deep. Um, it's really intense. And, and I know that's the way it is, and uh, we could even see that with the children's uh, notes. You remember last week, or was it the week before, where uh, David kind of went over and, and uh, looked at the, the uh, sermon notes that the kids are writing? I'm, I'm surprised that they're catching so much of it. Uh, I don't expect that because it's kind <clears> of <throat> in, intense, but they're, <clears throat> they're listening <clears throat> and they're, they're catching it. And I'd like to get it as, as uh, uh, bottom shelf as we can. Uh, when you get into Calvinism, it's a, it's a, a heresy for intel, the intelligentsia. And so uh, that's one of the things that is, is prided in those who are Reformed uh, theology that uh, they... It's just very, very complex, and you've got to be thinking. I mean, it just goes real deep. It's got to be thinking, and it uses logic and, and this and that. So uh, it, can get, it can get kind of uh, intense. So I'd like to get it down as, as uh, understandable as we can. So I'm just going to fly through. This is by no means going to be uh, exhaustive in looking at the study of Calvinism. But in veering off to deal with the heresy of Calvinism here... Uh, in the scripture that we started with, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 10, we recognize that this heresy is, is prevalent in these latter times. And that's where we started. Uh, in the last days, this is what's going to be going on. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And there's all kinds of illustrations about that. But one of the things is theological impurity, getting away from the truth of the Word of God, and that is such of uh, the, the subject of what we're dealing with. I'm sounding the alarm to danger, to pitfalls and potholes in our day, to struggles in these latter times. And the reason that we're living in a time where the basic Bible truths are de, uh, defiled and reprobated by the ever-growing heresy of Calvinism, the, uh, it's an offense to a loving, a caring, a fair God. Going uh, to the... Uh, plank of this ill-fated theological system. We've pointed out the five points of Calvinism. We started in limited atonement, kind of in the, in the uh, middle, <clears throat> but then we said, okay, let's go back and, and hit them all. So tonight is the, the first one of the tulip. You remember T-U-L-I-P? Um, the T is total depravity. We're going to be explaining that tonight, what that means, uh, different ways of, of looking at that. Uh, number uh, U is unconditional election. A person comes into the election of God, you're elect, there's those that are the elect or the non-elect, those who are going to heaven or those that are going to hell, uh, you're elect upon no condition at all. It's God that just randomly, boom, chooses those to be saved. So here's a congregation, it doesn't matter what you do, <clears throat> it doesn't matter how good you are or bad you are, we're all bad and we're going to find that out today, uh, total depravity, that we have nothing to actually gain the grace of God. And so therefore, since everybody is condemned, and God wants some saved, he just randomly, without any condition, picked those to be elect. That's called unconditional election. We'll deal with that next time. Uh, and then yeah, limited atonement, we dealt with that a little bit on that verse that we looked at. No, Jesus is the Savior of all men, especially those that believe. But <clears throat> it's not an atonement that he did on the cross to just purchase his elect. No, no, it's for all people, for all men. Okay, and then uh, the I is irresistible grace, meaning if God wants you saved, you're going to be saved. Since he's sovereign, since he gets his will, since he's uh, the one that calls the shots, 
If he wants you to be saved, you're going to be saved, period. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you want here. It's irresistible. When his grace is presented to you, that salvation and that conviction is irresistible. You have to get saved. That's not what the Bible teaches. We'll get there when we get there. The last one is perseverance of the saints. And that is the ones who eventually uh, persevere to the end. Those are the ones that are elect. And uh, uh, that has its own problems. Now we see truth or portions of truth in each one of these points. But uh, when man does anything, he taints things. And so that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. So last week... uh, well, two weeks ago, or, well, actually, there was been other, some other things, but a uh, couple of times ago when we were dealing with this, we started with limited atonement because of that verse that we use the springboard to jump into the current study. First Timothy 4.10, again, this is where we started. For therefore, we both labor and suffer approach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially, especially of those that believe. Jesus is identified here as the Savior of all men, especially applicable to believers who he has become their personal Lord and Savior. We who believe are the recipients of this redemptive, redemptive work of, on Calvary. Uh, this makes abundant, abundantly clear that he not only is the Savior to the believer, but he's the Savior for those who never claim him as their own. To the infidel, to the unbeliever, to the unelect, I guess you would say, regardless of the application or rejection if a person accepts Christ or rejects Christ, Christ is still the Savior of the world and his Savior if he would be saved, if he would put his faith and trust in Christ. He's the Savior paying the penalty for the sin of the whole world, those who believe it and those who receive him or not. For, uh, we use some scriptures, John 1, The next day John saith Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the elect. Is that what it says? Well, no, it's the sin of the world. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He took away the sin of the world. It, it was a payment for it was a, the penalty of the sin of, of every man, every woman, every person that's ever lived or will live. Uh, he's, he's, uh, his his uh, payment on the cross took care of the sin of the world. John three fifteen that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life for God so loved the elect, <laughs> which is the way that the Calvinist has to read this. Because in truth, no, God doesn't love the unelect. He actually hates those who are wicked and, and his, his uh, 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 condemnation, his judgment is justified as he sends people to hell. But no, no, it says God, God so loved the world, everybody in the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. 1 John 2, 2, and he is the propitiation or, or the acceptable payment that God receives for sin. There's one payment for that. There's one <coughs> acceptable sacrifice, acceptable offering as, as seen from the very beginning of human history when God told uh, his first offspring of Adam, this is what you do. An acceptable offering is a lamb which will portray, which will... Uh, picture the Lamb of God that, that comes, because that's the only acceptable sacrifice for sin, not your works, not your efforts, not your good deeds, not your sincerity, your genuineness. And so uh, that's the only thing that is acceptable. And so he accepted Abel's sacrifice, you remember, and then he rejected uh, Cain's. 
because he, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only. Now here, John is talking about believers. Now the believers that he's speaking to, listen, he's, he's not just paying for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. The gymnastics that a Calvinist has to go through to try to, you know, twist that one, that's a hard, that's a hard one. Uh, but they do, you know, they say uh, he's a propitiation for our sins, the sins of the elect, and not for ours only, the sins of the elect, but also for the sins of the elect of the whole world. Oh, brother, come on, that's not what it says, and you have to, you know, uh, do contortions to get that out of there. So tonight we're going to go on by uh, going back to the, the very first of the tulip, the planks, the first, the T, which is total depravity. Total depravity is identified by the Calvinist as such. Uh, have I lost you already? Are we, are we uh, there? Are we with me here? And you, you, you know, sometimes, you know, getting into this, it's, it's interesting to me because I've, I've crossed swords with Calvinists, and I know what it means. I know the practical application of Calvinism brings a person to loss of faith, loss of burden. Uh, it doesn't matter. We're kind of like... Uh, uh, fatalists, where whatever's going to happen, you know, is going to happen. Case uh, sera, if you're elect and you're going to go to heaven, fine. If you're non-elect, you're going to go to hell, nothing you can do about it. And, you know, I, I know I, I've, I've seen it kill faith and churches and movements. And so I'm, I'm kind of uh, intense in this, but I'd like for you to, to kind of try to stay with me, okay? So put on those thinking caps. Here we go. Total depravity is identified by the Calvinists as such. This is total depravity. Total depravity it comes, it goes back to uh, John Calvin. And in the canons of Dort, which you don't have to go back into history, whatever, but this is where it came up and was identified back then. It says, all pe- this is how it's identified. All people are conceived in sin and are born children of wrath, unfit for any saving good, Inclined to evil, dead in their sins, and slaves to sin, without the grace of the regeneration, regenerating Holy Spirit, they're neither willing nor able to return to God to reform their distorted nature or to even dispose themselves to such reform. That's from Human Corruption, Conversion to God, and the Way It Occurs. And that's Article 3 of the, of the Councils of Dort. Anyway, so... He says, okay, you get this where he says uh, people have, they're, they're sinners. He's saying they're sinners. But they're so far sinners that they're unable to reform. They're unable to do anything to change that. Uh, and they cannot even dispose themselves to such reforms or belief. Okay, so we're going to get into that later. In the Westminster Confession, and you Baptists might be a little bit more familiar with this because uh, there, we'll have those in our Articles of Faith and that. You might be familiar with this. But in that confession, it's, it's, it's uh, uh, identified like by this. Total depravity is this. By his fall into a state of sin, man has wholly lost all ability of will to any spiritual good accompanying salvation. Okay? You, you don't have the ability to get out of the condition you're in. So as a natural man, I'm reading on, I'm quoting, so as a natural man being altogether averse from that good and dead in sin is not able by his own strength to convert himself or to prepare himself thereunto. Now, of course, we can't convert ourselves. We can't turn over a new leaf and then be good enough for God. And we understand that. 
but it goes on so far and it uses the, the, uh, the term ability. You don't have the ability to do anything about your lost condition. Dead, you're dead. Okay? If somebody's here in the coffin, they're dead, you can offer them a steak and you, and you could smell really good and whatever, but hey, they're not going to get up and take that because they're dead. And if you're dead in trespasses and sins, you're unable. You're unable to get up and say, yeah, I want that. Or yes, I'll get out of being dead. No, no, you're dead. So you, you've lost all ability of will to any spiritual good accompanying salvation. Total depravity is called this. Now, we, we, it's most commonly known as total depravity, the tea and the tulip, but it's also called radical corruption. So very corrupt, so very radically corrupt, you are so far uh, 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 deformed spiritually, so very radically corrupt that you can't do anything about that. Uh, R.C. Sproul calls it radical corruption. Boyce Reichen, uh, 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 these two guys, Boyce and Reichen, they, they call it radical depravity. So intensely depraved, radically depraved. Uh, John Piper, he's written many, many books. He's a very good speaker and, and, uh, and all. But boy, he's a Calvinist to, uh, to end all Calvinists. Anyway, his, uh, his word is total inability. <coughs> he calls it, instead of uh, a total, uh, what was it, total depravity, total inability. Man is in a condition where they're totally unable to take advantage of the salvation that God wants to make clear to mankind. Total inability. The Calvinist corner defines total, total depravity as such in their words. Sin has affected all parts of man, the heart, the emotions, will, mind, and body, and are all affected by sin. We are completely sinful. We are not as sinful as we could be, but we are completely affected by sin. The doctrine of total depravity is derived from scriptures that reveal human character. Man's heart is evil, Mark chapter 7. I'll go over these scriptures in just a little bit. And he is sick, Jeremiah 17. Man is a slave of sin, Romans chapter 6. He does not seek for God, <clears throat> Romans chapter 3. <coughs> he cannot understand spiritual things, 1 Corinthians 2. He is at enmity with God, Ephesians chapter 2. And he's by nature a child of wrath, Ephesians 2, verse number 3. The Calvinists asks the question, in light of the scriptures that declare man's true nature as being utterly lost and incapable, how is it possible for anybody to choose or to desire God? In, in quotes, and I keep on reading their quotes, the answer is, he cannot. Therefore, God must predestine some to be saved. How can somebody that's so totally depraved, even, even respond to the offer of salvation if they're so far gone, uh, in their words, uh, if they're utterly lost and incapable, how is it possible for anybody to choose or desire God? He cannot. Therefore, God must predestine. Ahead of time, or apart from us or our reaction or our response, God says, hmm, you, I want you to be saved. You're predestined to be saved. You. I want you to be saved. You are predestined. I want you to go to heaven. Okay, so you, you can be saved. You can go to heaven. That's predestination. <clears throat> By the way, don't get, don't get scared about terms. They'll use uh, foreknowledge, the foreknowledge of God. 
the pre-omniscience uh, of God, God knowing things ahead of time, knows who's going to be saved. He, since God is, is the master of time, he got time started, he works, and, and time is not a factor to God. Somebody said, time is like a river. We're all in that river, but God's not in the river. He can go over here at this part of the river or go over here in this part of the river, and, and God is apart from time. And so he knows <clears throat> who will be saved. He foreknows those who, you know, he, that those who are predestined to be saved. He knows who those are going to be elect. And if you're going to go to heaven, that means you're one of the elect, uh, one of the saved. And so, but he knew that ahead of time that you, just because he knows who's going to be saved doesn't mean he causes it. You and you and you, see, that's predestination. And that's not, that's not what, that's not reality, but that's what the Calvinist says. Since man cannot choose, therefore God must predestine. <clears throat> so the, 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 the verses that they used here are verses that we're familiar with, verses that talk about our depravity, our sinfulness. Are we sinful? Absolutely. Is the Bible true when it talks about the condition of man? And now listen, if you're here and you expect to just somehow gain the, 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 uh, uh, the, the smile of God when you stand before him because of who you are or that you're funny or that you're uh, sincere or that you have some kind of goodness in you that God's going to let you into heaven, uh, you're sadly mistaken because, yes, you are a sinner and you are depraved, and, and I am. We, we are all sinners. The Bible says in Mark chapter 7, verse 21, For from within, Jesus said, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, comes out of our heart. That's who we are. That's man. And you know what? The, the reason why there are, there are entire uh, uh, governments that fail is because they're based upon somehow man is basically good. You know, if we just all, nobody has anything, we all put into, uh, you know, one pot and nobody's ahead of anybody else. It's called socialism, communism, and then, then we could all live in some utopia. Why? Because man is basically good. We'll all just live together because that's basically what man is. That's false. No, listen to what Jesus said about what's in man's heart. Man is depraved and, and we are sinful. And any time that there, there is, is somebody who could take advantage of somebody else, then they will, and such is the case. And such you have where communism has not worked anywhere on the planet to date. But they keep on trying. But it's because they, <clears throat> they don't have a good picture of man of what man is, of, of our condition. Jeremiah 17, 9, this is one of the verses that they use. Yeah, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The next verse says, I, the Lord, try the reins. I search the hearts. <clears throat> Romans three ten. as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way, they're all there together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. It goes on, their throat is an open sepulcher with their tongues, they've used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. 
whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. Now he's using all of these you know, parts of the body to show uh, how bad it is. Inside, this is who you are. You're not a candidate for heaven. I'm, excuse me, we are, <coughs> we, are <coughs> we are sinners. Pray for me. I'm getting this little cold thing coming on, I, I feel. So <clears throat> I remember when I was in high school, um, I was in, the, in the, the library, supposed to be quiet. Anyway, uh, I was in the library, and I talked to this kid that was next to me. I said, hey, did you ever see an x-ray of, of your body, you know? Did you ever see, you know, your bones and your heart and, you know, did you ever see that? Did you ever see an x-ray of yourself? He said, no. I said, I got one. You want to see it? He goes, you got one? I go, yeah. I opened my Bible to Romans chapter 3. This is what you look like inside. <laughs> and that's because that's it. That is what, what, where we are, you know. Verse 18, there's no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Another verse that they used, Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 3, among whom also we, had our, we all had our conversation, that's the way, manner of living, in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That's who we were prior to Christ, were uh, uh, children of wrath. Now, with these Bible truths, yes, we are to agree that man does not have the first part of goodness in his fallen nature and heart to harvest the mercy of God. He can't do that. What does the Bible say? Desperately wicked. Extremely wicked. The, the worst thing in the world that you know about is the human heart. Unprofitable in the, the, the words of God in Scripture. Unprofitable. There's no good in a person. Are they sinners? Absolutely. Am I a sinner? Absolutely. But that's not the end. The Calvinist takes this truth and goes a step further and claims that since we are totally depraved, we're in a state of total inability to respond to the offer of divine grace. You know, whenever you're dealing with things like this, Satan doesn't come and just, you know, give something to total 180 degree difference than what the word of God says. No, no, it's just slightly off. And that's how Calvinism is. Because taking some truths and some things that, yes, we know that's what the word of God says, but then just tweaking it just a little bit, that's not what it says. That's not what it says. But the, the Calvinist brings it out to, now this means that because of our sinfulness, that brings us to the condition of being totally enabled to respond to the offer of what he has offered, grace. So the Calvinist says that if anyone ever gets saved, it's because God exerts grace to him. There, there's no such thing as exerted grace. That's a term that the Calvinist has come up with. And by the way, they have to say exerted grace or, uh, you know, uh, inability and this and that. And they have to add these words that you'll not find in your Bible because nowhere does the Bible say exerted grace. No, it's just the grace of God. But it's exerted because what they say, no, no, God has to infuse grace. If you want somebody saved, he has to specifically take the grace of God that we know about that, you know, come from Jesus' uh, sacrifice on the cross and put it in somebody. 
Exerted grace. There's no such doctrine as exerted grace in the Bible. These adjectives must be added to make sense. Whenever you have <coughs> some kind of a theological position or doctrine that you've got to add words to have it make sense, you've got problems, and there's problems with this. The Bible clearly states in Titus chapter 2, verse number 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Every single person has the ability to hear and to be exposed to that grace. And it's not just any grace or God's goodness. Or, no, no, that brings salvation. That grace, so that a person can be saved. It's not exerted to this one person that God says, okay, I'm going to give that person grace. No, no, no. What does the Bible say? It says, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Don't give me this all elect men. No, no, that's not what it says. All means all, and that's all. So let's just leave it at that. Not all men of the, uh, 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 of the elect to hold this extra biblical position of total inability to respond means that God indeed offered an insincere offer. Do you understand what that means? Where God says, here it is. <clears throat> I want you to be saved. Here's my gift to whosoever will. Oh, to me, to you, to everybody, to anybody? And then find, well, actually, I'm so far, so far depraved, I can't take advantage of it. So it becomes an insincere offer. Do you understand what that means? That means it's, it's not, it's bogus. It's bogus. We understand that. But his offer is anything but insincere. His open offers, as in Mark chapter 16, verse number 15, and he said unto them, Go ye to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What is the, what is the offer extended to, or, or who is it extended to? Everybody, every creature, every person that's ever lived gets the offer. And it's not an offer that is so inaccessible that we can't partake of it. Otherwise, it's not an offer, is it? His open offers to everybody. Luke chapter 24, verse 47, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Everybody hears this offer that God has given, and it's, and it's uh, broadcast. You remember when uh, the sower went forth to sow the seed? They, he broadcast. Today we have combines, or if you have a garden, and you just get a little packet of seeds, and there's like, you know, 60 or 150 seeds in that little packet. And then you drill a, a hole or push a hole with something and put that little seed in there, one or two or three seeds, cover it up, water it, and, and do the next because you're, you're very stingy with those seeds. You want one you know, pepper plant here, another pepper plant here, and you, you're drilling it into the hole. Or a combine will do that with, you know, many crops, you know, just drill. But that's not how the word of God went forth with the sower that went forth to sow the seed, was it? He had, it was Johnny Appleseed, had a bag of seed, and he's doing this, you know. And some fell over here. It wasn't just one over here and one over here and exactly where God wanted to put it. No, no, it's to everybody. Isn't that right? To everybody. It's an offer to everybody. And some didn't take it. Some did not believe. But it was, it was broadcast to everybody. <coughs> Luke chapter 2, verse 10. <coughs> and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to 
all elect in the world. And that's not what it says, is it? Shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Folks, he is Savior to all, especially to those who accept and believe. Remember our text that we started with? Especially to those that believe. But he's the Savior to all the world. Now, according to the Calvinist, even though the non-elect cannot believe, that they have no ability to believe, okay? You're so dead, you can't choose Christ. You can't put your faith in Christ because you're dead, dead. You're dead. You, you're, you're unresponsive. Because you have no ability to believe, you're nonetheless responsible before God for your rejection, which God has sealed. Hey, do you understand what I'm saying here? Folks, I'm, I'm, I don't want to soft soap it here because this is exactly what the Calvinists said and what, they, and what the position is. You cannot take advantage of of the offer to get out of your sin and to be saved. You cannot. You're unable. You have an inability to respond. But it doesn't matter that you're not able to respond. You're still responsible. What? What? You're responsible to choose, and, but you can't choose. But that's exactly what the position is. Nonetheless, responsible before God for your rejection. See, the non-elect does not have the ability to believe or receive the grace of God, but at the same time, he is responsible and accountable to do what he cannot do. It's fair, right? Yeah, oh yeah, that's that's a good good response, oh yeah, this this is how I, I would put it, yeah, right, yeah, right, that's fair? In whose universe are you living? That's not fair. It's not fair if you can't take advantage of some offer. And then you're responsible to take advantage of that offer, but you can't do it. No wonder the charge upon such a cruel God to predestine some to heaven and some to hell, even though man can do nothing to believe that gospel preached to him at all. The the example is given, believe it or not, believe it or not, by the Calvinists, They give the example of angels not being able to access redemption and pardon. Why? Because it's not extended to them. You know, angels, they don't understand what it means to be redeemed. We do. Why? Why? Because an angel, when he sins, there is no redemption. Jesus didn't die for the angels, did he? Christ died for all angels? No, 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 for all men. He died for this race. He loves you and he loves me and he wants to rescue and that's what his, his payment on the cross was for. For men, for mankind, for humans, for us, not for angels. That's why I think, as Peter says, the angels desire to look into this holy of holies and the mercy seat. What goes on here? This is where God is dealing with mankind and the, 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 the blood is sprinkled on the mercy seat. And you know, if you remember the Raiders of the Lost Ark, they did get some things right. And one of the things was a picture of those angels, which the Bible says they were to be made with their, with their uh, wings touching and their faces forward, desiring to look into. This is the position of angels. They're looking at the love of God ex- expended on you and I. That Jesus died to redeem this race. And they're going, what's that? We don't know anything about that. 
The angels that sinned were cast down and to be reserved in chains of darkness to be judged, period. Never is there any one angel ever redeemed. Never. One chance, they're out. And so they say, you know what? It's just like angels. Here's the, the unelect. Jesus didn't die for the unelect. It doesn't apply to him. It's just like the angels. There is no redemption for him. And which gets into the limited atonement, you know, we, we, we looked at it. And every one of these, the tulip, T-U-L-I-P, they all go along together. They all, they're, they're logically, they fit in the puzzle. It's just not scripture, but they fit together because uh, that's what they say, you know. And, and <clears throat> Christ did not die for the unelect. He did not die for angels, they say. He died for men, we know that. In the same way, to the non-elect, he did not die or offer such redemption because they will never have the capacity to choose life. What? What? You tell me, does the offer of God sound bogus to the lost? In scriptures like Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, where God says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Choose life. God's talking to those who are following him and those who are rejecting him. Broadcasting to all men. Does that sound like it's not a genuine offer to those who are lost? <laughs> no. He says, listen, this is for you. By the way, anytime that God commands us to do something, that means we can do it. Don't you, don't you say, well, there's, it's impossible for me to pray always, or it's impossible for me to live righteously or live without sin because, you know, we're talking. No, no, no. If God asks us to do something, then it means it's possible for us to do it. It's up to us. And here he's given an offer and he says, choose life. <clears throat> Sounds pretty good when I'm starting to lose my voice. <laughs> A real impassioned, anyway. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Does, does that offer sound bogus to you, to the whosoever will? I don't, I don't think so. They say that even believing God, <coughs> you know, to put your faith in Christ, even that is a gift of God. We can't even exercise faith. You know, if God says, believe me, the lost person who is so totally depraved, he can't, he cannot. He's so far gone that he can't. This is the position of the Calvinist. You can't even exercise faith. Thus, they must see faith as the gift of God. Because it's not something we could do for ourselves. It's not something we could choose. We choose the belief. No, no, we can't do that. So, verses like Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And they say, see, look at what the Bible says. Faith is a gift of God. So don't think yourself, just accept what I'm saying. <laughs> faith is the gift of God. That's not what it says, folks. That's not what it says at all. I'm sorry. That's, that's a corruption of that passage. We just allow the verse to remain in the context of whatever God was saying there. He explains himself. <clears throat> God's grace is always contrasted with the works. 
And in this passage, it, here's God's grace contrasted to the works that follow. And that's, that's the thought of that, of that passage. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. What's the gift of God? Grace is the gift of God. As opposed to what? As opposed to verse number nine. Not of works. Grace works. Grace is something you don't earn, something that God gives you. <coughs> That's the gift of God. The only way we apply that is by faith. But the gift of God is grace as opposed to works. None of works, lest any man should boast. You can't get salvation by what you do, by what you earn. No, that's exactly what he's saying. Makes perfect sense. Since grace is unmerited favor, works is opposite of this. Grace and works is also contrasted in other places when they're listed together like this. Romans chapter 11, verse number 6. He says, and if, and if by grace, then it is no more of faith. Is he talking about faith there? No. What two, what two opposites is he dealing with here? If it's of grace, then it's no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. And if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. See, the opposite here, on the one side, is what God's done for you, you cannot earn. And the other is what you're doing for yourself and what you're you know, uh, climbing and what you, you accomplish. That's your works. He says, no, no, it's, if you're going to ever get saved, it's all of grace, nothing of what you do. You know, and you know this is these are these are truths that we understand. I mean, foundational. But I'm telling you, folks, in a congregation this size, there are probably some that will miss the boat because they think that their salvation is 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 somehow connected to baptism, or somehow connected to staying faithful. Somehow connected to doing right and, 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 uh, and holding on and staying true all your life because if you, if you were to fail, then you'll lose your salvation. No, no, that's works. That's what you do and you're not saved by works. You're saved by grace. That's the contrast here. And that's the contrast in Ephesians. Grace and works together, he's, he's contrasting, uh, as he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8, for by grace are you saved through faith. And then not of yourselves, it's of God, that's grace. Not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. <clears throat> but they say that grace, I'm talking about Calvinists, says, well, grace must be a work of God granted to an incapable sinner to respond. He's incapable to respond since he's so dead that he cannot respond. So God has got to... What's that word that I used to hear a little bit ago? Um, um, exuded, exerted grace. No, that's not, that's not at all. Not at all. But th that's what the Calvinists said. You're so dead, <clears throat> so totally deprived or depraved, <coughs> you cannot respond. You cannot take advantage. You cannot choose. You cannot believe. And if you're ever going to get saved, it's because God saves you. He's, he's got to give you this gift of faith. Otherwise, you'll never be able to believe. So it's got to be granted to the incapable sinner because he can't respond. Piper states in an article entitled Total Depravity, this is what he said, saving faith must be a gift from God because those dead in their trespasses and sins are incapable of obeying God or doing anything else to please God. Therefore, it is necessary for all whom God is going to save to regenerate them first. 
hey, do you hear what? This is the, this is the next logical step where we, we're starting to really go into never, never land. If, if a person ever gets saved, it's because God gives them salvation before they have faith. You're not saved because you choose to believe. No, no, you're, you're saved because God saves you and then he gives you faith because he gives you salvation and then you believe and that's, that's a, uh, a result of God giving you salvation. And that's the only people that could ever have faith are the, are the ones that God grants salvation. He grants grace, he, he grants faith uh, and it's in response to his giving us that salvation. So listen to what he said. Therefore, it is necessary for all whom God is going to save to regenerate them first. Before they come to believe, God must regenerate. How? Upside down. There are, there are no scriptures. You know what? I would go through some scriptures to try to prove what they're trying to say. And I'm trying to be fair. There are no scriptures that say that. None whatsoever. None. But there's a whole lot that said we're saved uh, because of our faith. You know, our belief, or our believing in God. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> if man is totally unable to respond to any divine offer, then God's offer of salvation to all men, or the, this what Jesus did, paid the penalty on the, on the cross, that offer for salvation for anybody that wants to believe, anybody that chooses life, anybody that, that, uh, that puts their faith in the, the, the uh, shed blood of, of Jesus on Calvary, God's offer is bogus. It's bogus. Okay, let me see how many little boys have gone to sleep because I've, ahead of time I've asked some, some to help me. Let me see. Is Anthony still awake? <laughs> Lost him. Okay. Uh, let me see. Is uh, Emilio, are you still awake? Oh, Emilio, you're awake. Come on. Come on up here. Uh, the preacher didn't put him to sleep. Uh, where's, where's Link? Is Link in the auditorium? Are you awake? Come on, Link. All right. Yeah. All right, I'm, I'm trying to get some, some guys about, let's see, how old are you? Seven. Seven, and you are? Six. Six. Anybody else, a little boy who's six or seven in the auditorium? Anybody six or seven in the auditorium? Who, who, where, where? I miss somebody? There you go, Liam, come on. Yeah, there you go. I need three boys <clears throat> to, uh, I, I want to see something. I want to see between the, these three guys, how old are you, Liam? Six. Okay, six, six, and seven. Okay, I want. I want to see. Are you guys? Are you guys uh, 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 athletic? Sport? You like sports? You like running around? Of course. After church, they're running around all. You can wind them up and you know until they until they uh, sleep. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> when I was a kid, when I was when I was your ages, six and seven, I was fast. I was short, like some of you guys. But I was I was very short. Don't you? No, I don't want anybody. <laughs> Button it up. I knew what you were thinking, but anyway, I was very short. But man, I had some legs that were fast legs. I go, man, I just and I take off and I I'd be real. Are, are you guys fast? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was really fast, and I was proud of it. I mean, I was proud of so I could run so and I could jump and I could you know I was quick. You know, kind of like a. Uh, what's his name this afternoon? I didn't even want to go there. That kind of went through. No, no, no. Let's not go there. Okay, anyway. Um, so I want to see if you guys, uh, if you guys are, are, if you can jump high. Okay, come here, Emilio. Um, I want you to jump, you know, right here. 
jump as high as you possibly can. And I want to I want to see how high that is. I'm going to uh, uh, get a get a uh, a measure. Okay, so jump. And, and okay, now and what I want you to do is lift up your hand too, as high as you can. Okay, that was like whoa, whoa. Try try that again. Oh, he went further than I'm five seven, so he could probably, almost six foot. All right, do it again. Do it again. Oh man, that's pretty good. Okay, Link, come on. I want you to do the same thing. I want to see how high you can jump. Don't go away, Emilio, because uh, I've got something. Hang on, hang on. I've got, I've got something for one of you guys that's, that's going to be the, the greatest athlete that we have here today. Okay, let's see. As high as you can. Oh, I can't believe it. Okay, try that again, all right? Okay, it's right about, right about there. That's about six foot two. That's pretty good. All right. Liam, come here. I want you to try. I want you to try. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Try it. Come here, come here, come here, come here. Come here, do it again. As high as you can. I want to see how high it is. Go. Pretty good. Okay, Emilio, you and, and Liam are in the running. Okay, come here. Come back. I want, I want to see if you can... Let's see, it was about this high. See if you could touch my hand. All right? You did. All right, try it again. Try it again. Try it again. Okay, that's right about there. Liam, come back. Let's see how high you can jump. See if you can see if you can hit that. Get it. Okay, here you go. Liam, Liam, you're the winner here. So, okay, you guys could be seated. This guy... Among the six and seven-year-olds could probably jump the highest. And so I have a reward for you for jumping that high. And, you know, you can go to the dollar store and get something for a dollar. Five, a five-dollar bill. For, no kidding. Yeah, let's give him a hand. He did, did good. And the only... Now, now listen, this is how you get your five-dollar bill, because I saw you jump. I mean, really. I'm going to hold this five-dollar bill, and you... And you go ahead and jump and get it. When I say, no, no, wait, 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 wait. When I say go, okay? When I say go, and then it's yours. Um, let me have some help. Brother Joel, come here. <laughs> He's going to hold it. <laughs> okay, now hold it up. There. Okay, here we go. Ready? Okay, get it, get it, get it, get it. Go, 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 go. Oh, come on. You can do it. It's yours if you just get it. Oh, come on. One more time, one more time. Come on, come on. all the way. Oh, well, too bad. You can go sit down. Uh, thank you. Yeah, uh, he didn't make it. You know, he doesn't get the $5. I'll have to spend that on a, you know, a latte or something. And you know what you're saying? No, I know what you're thinking. You creep. You jerk. What in the world did you do that for? That was not a bogus offer, the $5, because he couldn't, he'd never be able to do that. You're a monster. And you'd be right. Liam, come on back here. You get the $5. Let's give him a hand. He did a great job. <laughs> now, listen, listen. That illustration goes to, you know, all of the, the mean and terrible and awful things you were thinking about your pastor just a little bit ago <laughs> is justified. Right. So, the offer was bogus. If I didn't... If I said, yeah, this is for you, but then put it out of his reach, he can't do in a million years. Well, I don't know. He's he probably going to grow up to be taller than Joel, and then he could do that. But, but as a six-year-old, seven-year-old, never be able to do that. And like I say, that would be justified to think that I was a monster because it's not a genuine offer. It's, it's bogus. It is, it is bogus. <clears throat> You can 
look at me and say, Preacher, how dare that you lie to that kid like that? <laughs> you jerk. Yeah, yeah, that would be justified. Now, without the colored lenses of Calvinism, they put on these glasses and they say, no, see, this is an offer of God, but it's an offer that you're unable. You're so totally depraved. You're, you're so totally, what, what is that? That one guy said, total inability of being able to take advantage of that. Without the colored lenses of Calvin's logic, what do you think these verses say? Titus 2.11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. You think that's bogus? You think God's holding something so high above mankind that he can't get it? And he says, you know what? You could have had this, if, but you're unable to. Sorry. Go sit down. <laughs> How about this verse? First uh, Timothy <clears throat> 2, verse number 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. That means God wills. He wants when it says who will, that's his will. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Do you think that's a bogus offer? I don't think so. Isaiah 45, 22, when God's speaking to mankind, to his race, he says, look unto me and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. God has blessing. God has salvation for everyone here. And he, and he uh, uh, gives that appeal to every single person. And they're not so totally enabled to, to uh, take the offer that they cannot. Otherwise, God would be a monster. Folks, really. Mark 16, 15, he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You offer this to every man, an honest offer. It's true. It's valid. It's genuine. It's a real offer. Thank the Lord. Amen. So just a couple of points and we're done. Number one, although, yes, we are totally depraved, we can believe to be saved because that's what the Bible teaches. First Timothy chapter 2, verse number 4, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. That's what the Bible says. God's will is for all men to be saved. John 1, 7, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Every person has the ability to believe. According to Jesus, he says you can believe. Yes, it's a genuine offer. It's not bogus. Excuse me. It's not bogus. It's, it's genuine. Although, yes, we're totally depraved, we can believe that brings on salvation. Faith, therefore, number two, faith is the condition for salvation, which is actually going into the next point, which is unconditional uh, election. No, it's not unconditional. There's a condition. And we'll get into this next time. But First Peter chapter 1, verse number 5, it says, Christians who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. How do we get to salvation? Faith. We apply faith. We trust Christ. And then we land on salvation through faith that's what it says 
We're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. How about putting it this way, getting it switched around the way God says it in 2 Timothy 3.15. And that from a child, Timothy, thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith. How do you get salvation? Faith. You believe. That's the condition. That's what he says, which is in Christ Jesus. That's salvation in Christ Jesus. How do you get it? Through faith. Amen. It's through faith or our belief that we're saved, that we secure salvation by the divine offer. And it's genuine. It's real. It's not bogus. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad when God said, believe, choose life? It was, he, wasn't, he wasn't playing with us. No, 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 no. Here it is. This is for you. You can. You can take it. Every head bowed. Nobody look over just a moment. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand.